the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast. I am Chris Murray. Thanks so much for being with us this weekend. Hope all is well with you and your family. Good program. Uh, we're going to be talking about some very interesting top stories um, and uh, a little bit of economic data. And then joining me in just a little bit, my guest, Mr. Bill Bullard. He is the CEO of uh, the largest independent U.S. cattle producer and rancher association in the country, a friend of the program. We've had him on before. Talk about some really important issues like our uh, food supply chain, uh, the overreach uh, of the government, and also uh, some new things that are going on with the largest producers in that protein area. Uh, unfortunately, uh, most of them are out of the country. Uh, they're foreign, uh, foreign owned. And um, we really need to do something about uh, that whole situation. So we're going to be getting an update from Mr. Bullard. Also, um, we're going to be talking about some of those issues that um, these farmers and ranchers are facing on a daily basis uh, and really fighting just to try to stay in business. So obviously, one of the big things this week, it was official on uh, Thursday, yeah, Thursday, that uh, the United States officially reached its statutory debt limit of $31.381 trillion on uh, January 19th. So the Treasury Department will now have to implement extraordinary measures, is what they uh, refer to it as, to prevent default on the national debt. Uh, Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, who won't be around much longer, I don't think. I think they're going to sweep her out of office, um, explained that the debt limit is the total amount of money that the United States government is authorized to borrow to meet the existing legal obligations is the way she put it. So she said the Treasury Department may use accounting and budgetary measures to avoid defaulting on the national debt until Congress takes action. Let me just rewind a little bit and take us back to the fourth quarter, especially of last year, when um, weak and I think... um, I don't if I say ill-advised, I'm being very, very polite about it. Politicians, most on the the uh, democratic side of the aisle, the big spenders, those pushing the um, false narrative of uh, climate, uh, but also a lot of Republicans voted, especially on that January or excuse me, uh, December, I think it was the twenty second maybe or twenty third of December, the last. One that they push through when they know they shouldn't have done that spending bill. It should have um, they should have done a resolution to get them into the beginning of this year when newly elected officials were sworn in. But whatever, that's water under the bridge, dirty, yeah, you know, dirty pool, whatever you want to say. Um, and that's why we find ourselves here now is because um, what they're going to want is to force uh, a the, the debt limit being raised. And there's no way that that should happen. No way whatsoever. So um, apparently the Treasury has enough money. They can play their little shell game 
that you see on the street corners or you used to. Uh, their little shell game with hiding things and moving things and the smoke and mirrors to uh, to pay bills. Um, and then we default and our credit ratings are downgraded. Uh, and just fill in the blank. You shut down the government. You go into sequestration, um, essential employees only, all that baloney that we've been through before. And um, the world was far from ending, obviously, because uh, we're still here. And then you really step back as a taxpayer and say, we're getting along fine with the government shut down. Why do we really, why do we need the government in so many areas? So uh, Kevin McCarthy, the new speaker, um, we're going to see what he's all about. He urged Democrats to participate in discussions with Republicans on a financial plan, uh, including the folks at the White House. Hey, come on, let's sit down. Let's figure this out. You know, the White House restated its refusal to engage in these talks. They emphasized the potential for market disrupting uh, battle over the debt limit later this year. So what? You're not going to scare us, not the people that know what's going on. We're not afraid of you shutting the government down. You're going to be tough guy and dig in and say, you know, all that spending made sense and we need to spend more. Nope. This is it. This is the first big important fight to reverse the insane, wasteful, sometimes criminal spending that we see in our federal and state and local governments. So hopefully, uh, as I've mentioned, these uh, the new Congress, um, the fiscal and moral conservatives especially will be able to walk and chew gum at the same time and handle a lot of these important issues. First thing you got to do is shut the border, right? We know that. Um, It's just chaos. There's death. There's rape. There's child trafficking. There's drugs that are poisoning Americans. Um, You know, literally, we see that number in six digits. It's the crime. It's it's insane. So first thing, shut the border. Um, Then focus on the spending Pull back as much as you can of that wasteful, uh, just terrible spending that has taken place the last two years. So anyway, we'll keep an eye on that and uh, and keep you briefed on what's going on. Um, and that kind of sets us up like, you know, this is a big deal. They're going to be running around with their hair on fire that we're going to default on our debt and go bankrupt and just go into the abyss. That's what they're going to be saying. And that's exactly what we heard this week, all week long at the World Economic Forum. So that was going on over in Davos, Switzerland. Uh, the chairman, the founder, Klaus Schwab, um, who's the devil spawn, I think, announced the kickoff of the 53rd annual meeting of political leaders. You've got corporate executives. You've got activists. You've got celebrities all flying in their private jets and, you know, to Davos, Switzerland, trying to rub elbows and make themselves feel uh, important. And Klaus Schwab said that this summit that they've had this week, just focusing on rededicating its members to a progressive climate and social justice agenda in the midst of what he described as unprecedented multiple crises. So get ready to start listening to this stuff because you're going to hear it. Just, you know, you have to make sure that 
Um, you hear it for what it really is, and that's junk. He said the theme of their meeting in Davos is cooperation in a fragmented world. In what the World Economic Forum calls the year of polycrises. And Klaus declared that economic, environmental, social, and geopolitical crises are converging and conflating, creating an extremely versatile and uncertain future. So, you know, just what they want, these elitists, these wannabes over there, the media over there, that's exactly where they want you and how they want you to feel is that the world is falling on your head. So, you know, you have to stay strong and not buy into all of these false narratives. Um, and, and look, there's a lot of people involved in this. This has been going on for decades and decades. It's really gone down the toilet the last 10 years or so when they decided for, you know, really digging in on the Great Reset, New World Order, all that garbage. But you have... 379 public officials, including 30 heads of state, 56 finance ministers, 19 central bank governors, 39 heads of global corporations, uh, the World Trade Organization. So there'll be about 1,500 executives from 700 companies that um, were there this week. So it's like their new monarchy they're trying to – that's the way I see it. I don't know – I mentioned earlier on the Morning News Express this week. I don't know if that's the right word. I, I may be misusing that. But it's like their new monarchy. And I tell you what it is. In reality, when, when we really look at it, it's the working class man and woman versus them. Because they want to take all your money that you pay in taxes and, and, and in all the uh, over and burdensome regulations and red tape. They want to take it all from you. And then tell you how to live and tell you that they're going to take care of you. So, um, and on top of that, one of the other things that really got my attention, the United Nations Secretary General, Antonio Gutierrez, said, what did he say when he was over there? We are looking into the eye of a Category 5 hurricane. Our world is plagued by a perfect storm on a number of fronts. See how they're trying to scare everybody and tell you, you know, the world's going to end? He said, start with the short term, the global economic crisis that they caused. The outlook, as we all know, is bleak, is the way he put it. So he's reading right off the same page, the talking points from Klaus Schwab and all the other clowns over there that are uh, trying to recreate not only just America, but the whole world in their view, and they want to run it. Um, The other thing that the idiot uh, Secretary General of the U.N. Gutierrez says was he was comparing the oil companies to big tobacco. Again, trying to make them look like they're a villain. You know, what the United Nations is a joke, too. I think most people know that. Uh, The sad part is, again, you're funding it. It's where your tax money is going to hear idiots like this at the top of their ladder um, running their mouth in such an ignorant and untruthful way. 
So it, we're going to, as always, we watch things, as you know, on the program and throughout the week. But this was really a big week. This was a big tell of what they're all about. Because it used to be they did it uh, behind closed doors in the shadows. Now they're coming out telling you that the world's going to end. And the only way around that is um, to let them take control and to do what they say. And, of course, we're not going to do that um, because we're going to stand strong and we know uh, the truth behind all their lies. And then, you know, this week you had, uh, you know, all this inflation. Why do we have the inflation? It's simple, right? It's overspending, especially by the current administration. That's why we hit the debt ceiling. It's overspending, wasteful spending. Um, some people can even argue money laundering with all the money that's going to Ukraine. And then Larry Fint of uh, um, Fink, excuse me, of uh, BlackRock. Basically, he's going to be the guy that helps Zelensky put that money to work. I mean, this stuff is it's so terrible. But, you know, we've got the overspending. We've got the Federal Reserve printing way too much money, um, causing this inflation. Who does it hurt? I get back to the hardworking men and women of this country and youngsters. That's who it hurts. And that's why we saw this week that the Kroger supermarket CEO come out and say that about half of his customers are under a lot of strain from a financial perspective. Their wages haven't kept up with the inflation they've incurred, and um, they're just getting crushed. There's no way around buying food for you and your family. There's no way around... Uh, needing energy to keep you warm, to get you from point A to point B. Um, unfortunately, people are finding a way around going to medical appointments and things that are very, very important for their health and well-being because they can't afford it. They're making choices they should not have to make, especially here in America. So you get this goof at the U.N. trying to make uh, traditional oil and reliable um, oil and energy sources, trying to make them look like a villain and say, hey, our unreliable, non-cost-effective, unproven new energy alternatives are better. Well, they're not. And that's why they won't sit down and have a serious debate because they'd lose every time. We need more traditional energy, drilling, Natural gas, fracking, anything, and, and the other, too, as it becomes more reliable and, and it improves with technology. Um, but we need to have as much as possible for us, first and foremost, because when it comes to natural gas, we're the Saudi Arabia of the world. So we need to have that. That's why they're trying to, you know, well, they're throwing that shiny object that they're going to do away with stoves. That was just ridiculous. That was to take your attention and get you fired up about other things that are more important. Um, but look, we need as much energy as we can possibly get. And not only here, we need it available for the rest of the world to pull them out of poverty, 
to make sure that they're taken care of the best way that they can be taken care of. You know, there's some countries, if they even have electricity, you have to remember, some are still going out chopping wood. And that's how their their cooking is over a wood fire. And then you have other countries doing a little bit better. People may have electricity, but their annual electricity is equal to our refrigerator use. So you see, we need to make this energy that's available right now, we need to make it available to ourselves and to others to pull them out of power. It's a moral issue. And the whole, well, they keep changing the narratives. First, we were going to freeze to death. Then it was um, the ozone. Then they had to change it to global warming. Then that didn't work either. So then they had to go to climate, which they can say is all-encompassing, um, and they can move the goalposts however they want. It's all baloney. We need to obviously recycle and do the best things possible in, in those types of areas, but we need to make as much energy available for ourselves to lower prices, to help families, and also for the world so that uh, their lives can be improved also. Bill Gates, he's over at the, you know, the um, World Economic Forum. What's he talking about? Well, he said that he's hopeful that fake meat products will eventually be a very good option for consumers. And we'll talk with Mr. Bill Bullard about that uh, as well. You know, he says uh, he thinks eventually these fake products will be very good, even though their share is small today. There's a reason for that, because they're not good and because people choose and want and trust traditional uh, food sources, right? And, of course, he said that um, it's all about tackling the climate crisis, whatever that is, whatever they say it is in any given day. You know, he's the largest owner of ag land in the United States of America. Over 287,000 acres of prime farmland. I'm not talking about, you know, desert. This is prime agricultural land. So why do you think he's talking to you about fake meat products? Because he wants to use that farming to grow heaven knows what and expects us to eat his mush because he says he's saving the climate or saving the world because of climate. So even, you know, more important than the energy I talked about, um, and the bountiful energy that we have that we need to utilize for saving lives and making things better for all is food. We have the ability, you know, to do that. But when a clown like him and uh, and you throw in other clowns and the CCP and, you know, China, the whole thing, buying up our land, you know, it's, it's ridiculous and something should be done about it. Um, what we also saw because of the last couple of years in particular with the debt, with inflation, with the financial markets, now with the housing sector, and you can go on and on, barely two in five people believe their families will be better off in the future. And that was according to a regular global survey, um, the Edelman uh, Trust Barometer, 
which for over two decades has polled the attitudes of thousands of people. And it found that economic pessimism was at its highest in some of the world's top economies, including ours, including over in the UK, Germany, Japan. So again, these goofballs that are running things, it just goes to show they're not doing the job that they should be doing. And uh, that's having a big impact on people. So quick break. Uh, When we come back, we've got some economic data, also uh, some info from the Fed. And um, then we'll be jumping into our discussion with my guest, Mr. Bill Bullard from Billings, Montana, and uh, getting a scoop on what's going on in the uh, in the ag industry. So make sure you stay tuned for that. She's so low maintenance, don't need no champagne, popping entertainment. Take her to Wendy's, can't keep her off me. She wanted to. You know weather bug users when you see them. The umbrellas before the storm, the scarves before the blizzard, the flip flops before the heat wave, the prepared few. Well, not so few. Over 10 million people use the WeatherBug app for hyper-local weather reports and real-time updates that prepare you for whatever happens next. With more free map layers than any other weather app, WeatherBug sees the unforeseen to protect you from the unpredictable. Download the WeatherBug app today for free. No holds barred. Free talk. 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and look up your financial editor and you'll uh, you'll be able to listen to this program um, or share it or listen to previous programs. And um, looking forward to our conversation with uh, Mr. Bill Bullard who is the CEO of the largest uh, cattle ranchers association um, in um, the country. And it's a friend of the program. We get uh, kind of updates from him a couple times a year. Uh, this is a really good time because we're talking um, about what these multinational uh, food companies are doing, how they're uh, really infringing on, um, on us as a consumer. Uh, we still don't have what's known as the mandatory country of origin labeling uh, for beef. So that's something when you go down your supermarket aisle, you would want that confidence, and you should have it to know where that came from, that that product. Um, and by the way, it's repackaged and can say USDA, if you believe that. It's hard to believe, but it's true. So we'll be talking with him in a couple minutes. Looking at economic data, I'll tell you something was good this week that I wanted to share with you. The producer price index, the PPI, which measures inflation at the wholesale level, was down a half of a percent last month. So it's still at 6.2 percent. That's a higher clip than, you know, what we want for sure. But at least it came down. um, And the uh, year over year reading uh, in November, um, you know, was also higher than that. It was 7.3 percent. So that's that's a drop. Um, it's good. The consumer price index, uh, the CPI came out uh, last week. That came in at 6.5%. So that eased uh, as well. 
Um, I think we're going to continue to see inflation being pushed down because of the interest rates that the Federal Reserve has uh, implemented. They're purposely trying to destroy demand. They're trying to cool everybody down from spending. And this is one of the ways, of course, that they do it. They were so late to the party, lost credibility, just like Janet Yellen. Jerome Powell was talking about, uh, you know, transitory and all the other garbage that a second grader would have been able to figure out. If you got a target of 2% and you get to 4 much less 9 like we did, but you get to 4 think we should do something? Yeah. So what? It's a quarter point increase. And then you wait and see how that impacts things and if you need to. So in other words, my point was you and the people you love and care about wouldn't have lost all of that additional money out of your pockets, paychecks, and bank accounts that you'll never get back through inflation. You had to pay, and you're still paying, those inflated prices. They should have done a better job. Like I said, targets 2%. If you have a young child or grandchild, ask them, hey, write 2% is good, and then write 4% is bad. And let's say we get to 3 3.5%. You think if we have a an opportunity, we can do something about this that, you know, would, would make sense? They're going to say, yeah. They're going to say, yeah. So why these so-called smartest people in the world with all of their economic models and theories and theses how do you let that happen? And then later they just say, sorry, yeah, I was wrong. Well, that's really wrong. That's really destroying people. Lost houses. They lost cars. They defaulted on loans. You messed up their credit ratings. Sorry doesn't cut it. Do your job. Holiday retail sales, according to the National Retail Federation, um, came in lighter than expected at the end of the year. That was unfortunate. Um, but things did start to slow at the end of the year, and we're seeing that into uh, the first part of this new year when you look at certain economic data. Um, and there's more interest rate hikes coming, apparently. You have multiple Federal Reserve policymakers this week talking or continuing to talk about uh, higher interest rates. So that demand destruction I mentioned, they're going to, it sounds like, put their foot on the uh, accelerator even more as opposed to waiting to see what the last seven consecutive interest rate hikes have done to the economy because it takes a while to work its way through. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that, let you know, and um, hopefully we're going to have better news. Um, But it's going to take a while. And all that matters, again, because when you look at your financial and your retirement planning, um, all this uncertainty, and especially the extra worry that's being brewed up and sent your way, um, it's going to impact that. So you want to make sure your strategy is correct going into, especially like say the first four to six months of this year. And um, of course, overall, how it's going to impact your long-term planning.
Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just grab it wherever you get your podcast. And uh, wrapping up our conversation with our guest this morning, Mr. Bill Bullard, uh, the CEO of RCAF USA. And um, just a wonderful uh, organization and uh, representing the, uh, the tried and true uh, farmers and ranchers and cattlemen uh, that our country has, thank God, produced over the decades for us. And it's a hard fight these days because of um, the world we live in. So uh, one thing, um, Mr. Bullard, I wanted to ask real quick uh, before we get to your uh, your, article, your article, poof, there goes your liberty. Um, it, I do morning uh, bits with the uh, drive guys uh every morning live three times and one of them is a former 4-H'er um his kids were in 4-H and they were beef they were Angus uh folks and showed and and whatnot and um he wanted me to ask you uh what you and your uh fellow farmers and ranchers think about Bill Gates being the largest owner of agricultural land in our country well, that's definitely a problem because what we've seen is we've seen a huge exodus of cattle farmers and ranchers, and I mean independent cattle farmers and ranchers that operated family-sized operations. We've lost 43% of those in just the last few decades. And so as the number of cattle producers decline, what we're seeing is investors and even foreign investors that are buying up agricultural land and many of those are, are using those for hunting preserves, uh, some for running buffalo as opposed to running cattle. But importantly, what we are seeing is what's helping to hollow out rural America. We're having fewer and fewer you know, economic entities like cattle operations that used to be the cornerstones of our rural communities across America. And as, as they have gone by the wayside and exited the industry, we see the Bill Gates-type investor come in purchasing huge tracts of agricultural land. And uh, from our perspective, we think that really risks the national food security interests of the United States. Yeah. What we need to do is go back to the family farm system of agriculture that once did provide us uh, you know, the most efficient and affordable supply of abundant food uh, anywhere in the world. We were the envy of the world at the time. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, 287,000 acres I saw last count. This is something that I actually follow and, and, you know, we talk about here on the program. Actually, I did earlier in the program before you and I started to speak because, of course, he was over at the World Economic Forum in Davos this week, and he was talking about um, eventually he thinks these fake meat products are going to be very good, even though their share is small today. And he was throwing out Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods and the others. But this is scary because you wonder what someone who's talking like that, what their real motive is with all of this agricultural land. So we're going to keep an eye on it, and then we'll check in with you uh, next time on that. So, uh, poof, there goes your liberty. Tell us about that piece that you have, again, for free up on your site that people can read. Yeah, so there's there's two major problems that are causing the contraction of the U.S. cattle industry. Number one is high concentration in the markets. We have four packers controlling 85% of the fed cattle market in the United States, and they control about 80% of all the boxed beef that's sold at retail. And then we have globalization. We have this effort that's been underway for the past several decades that has increased 
the multinational meat packers' ability to source cheaper beef from anywhere around the world and bring it to the United States, which is the number one beef consuming market in the world. And so the meat packers are benefiting at the expense of America's cattle farmers and ranchers. So the poof, there goes your liberty talks about a global effort underway called the Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. And what that organization is doing, and well, first, if we look at the makeup of it, it's made up of the world's largest multinational beef packers, Tyson, for example. It's made up of the largest world banks, Rabobank, for example. It's made up of the largest world retailers, McDonald's Corporation, for example. And it's made up of the world's largest pharmaceutical companies like Zuetis. So these companies that I just mentioned happen to be uh, serve on the executive committee of the GRSB. What the GRSB wants to do is to force cattle producers the world over, actually, to comport to environment, social, and governance standards that the world banks have determined to be necessary standards for evaluating corporate financial conditions and corporate behavior. And so the corporations now that control 85% of the market, they want to be able to borrow, continue borrowing from the world banks. But in order to do so, they now have to meet this new criteria. And so you've got the, the largest multinational meat packers are now trying to impose upon cattle producers uh, the, these new standards, and they're arbitrary uh, at best. And, uh, and in order to force them to do that first, you know, they can control the market. They can decide who has access to the market and who doesn't. As a result, they can force compliance with this entirely new standard uh, that could, as we've seen in the Netherlands, for example, it's transformed from being a private effort by these largest world corp- global corporations. And now we have governments involved. We have the Netherlands government that is actually forcing uh, farmers to exit the, their agricultural community in, uh, in the Netherlands. And we've got the Securities and Exchange Commission here in the United States that wants to empower the, the publicly traded multinational corporations headquartered in the United States to dictate to the cattle producers that they must now comply. And there's efforts underway to send what they call so-called professionals to the farm to tell the farmer and rancher uh, what they need to do in order to conform to these, uh, these new standards. And what we're going to do is increase the production cost to these farmers and ranchers in a marketplace that has, as I mentioned earlier, for many years has returned negative returns. Uh, Many cattle producers are unable to recover the cost of production from the marketplace. So this is just another means of controlling and forcing compliance uh, for issues that have nothing to do with uh, the interests of the United States, but everything to do with the interests of the world banking community. Yeah. And so that's what this was about, is the fact that the America's cattle farmers and ranchers are being subjected to uh, new standards that have been, you could say they've been developed in smoke-filled corporate uh, headquarters, and they're trying to force it upon U.S. cattle producers. And as a result, we're going to accelerate the ongoing contraction of this industry. Yeah, it's it's such a joke. And and just so you know, hopefully this makes you feel good. Uh, it's something to think about over the weekend. We're 
blessed to have a very large audience of the program that's grown over the last 25 years. And we have been down talking ESG for years and letting everybody know what a joke it is. And this is really eye opening because what people just heard is they're well aware of the war on traditional reliable energy. Now they're aware that uh, also in the sites is uh, food production and availability. So I really appreciate you uh, sharing that. want to let everybody know you can go to r-calfusa.com, and all this information we talked about is free. And you can pull it up and read it and get educated and um, look really smart at your uh, your your lunch today or your dinner tonight or cocktail party. So, um, all right, uh, Mr. Bullard, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, uh, just a treasure of information. We really appreciate it and hope to be able to catch up with you later in 2023. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Have a great rest of the weekend. And uh, it's scary stuff, I know. I'm not all about the gloom and doom. You heard me uh, just totally bashing uh, the goofballs, Klaus Schwab and all those uh, people over at Davos, Switzerland that think they're important and want to make each other feel important. Um, It's just a huge infringement uh, on uh, our life and liberty and way of life. This uh, food issue is serious. That's why I've always, well, for years I've been talking about Gates and others. Um, So it's pay attention to it, please. And real quick, you can go to local uh, meat lockers. There's a lot of farmers in your area probably, or some, that are providing product directly to the public. Uh, You can support them. You know where it comes from. You can drive by and see their operations and how clean they are and how professional they are and the family members involved. So do that. Also, I always like to uh, tout, go to the the county fair, you know, over the summer and uh, support the 4-H livestock shows and sales. And, again, you know where it came from, well taken care of. Uh, very, very humane. I know animals that live better than people. So, uh, and that's just good farming. So uh, that does it for us. We're out of time. I'll talk with you on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. And that's uh, weekday mornings live, 550, 650, And then we're back here next week, uh, next Saturday, uh, for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. I don't always strong oh, but when I get lonely I do your memory gets a burning lean back on the bourbon so as hell can't keep leaning on you looks like I'm learning the hard way again it's all my fault yeah, I dropped the ball you're gone and I'm gone three seats to the wind past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at wfmd.com a service of Holtzapple Heating and Air Conditioning. Connoisseur Media in Mid-Maryland. WFMD.